This is a Rooster Teeth production. Adrift in a lifeboat for over 20 days, the crew of the Minionette were hungry and dying. Minions? (laughs) Until they made one of the hardest choices of all, banana. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was the choice to sacrifice one of their own to save the others. Oh. I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. Okay. In the British justice system, cannibalism-based offenses are considered especially necessary. Stupid law and orders. In Exeter, the dedicated home security who investigates these customs of the sea as part of an ill-advised prosecution is known as William Harcourt. This is his story. I see you had something else written and crossed (laughs) it out to replace it with this law and order thing. Yeah, I thought it was funny because there's a lot of, it's a legal drama. Oh, okay. That's why. Yeah, sure. It was fitting. It was fitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No more of this law and order crap. Oh, come on. You'll come around to it. I don't know. Anyway, can I tell you about the mignonette? Yeah, please. Uh, (laughs) She was a yacht, Patrick. Okay. Not a big one. Only 52 feet young. And she had a net tonnage of 19.43. Little little girl. There's a couple things she wasn't designed for. uh, Long-term ocean travel uh, and also long-distanced... Uh, ocean travel. Okay. And that'll <laughs> so, be important later or what? Uh, it'll be important almost immediately because an Australian lawyer purchased her in 1883 for leisure sailing, but needed to transport it to Sydney from Southampton. Which is? In order to take possession of the yacht. Is that in England? Yes. Oh. Why the hell would you buy? Why would you do that? Why don't you just buy an uh, Australian boat? Well, the Mignonette wasn't in Australia. Right. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. The journey's only 15,000 miles. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but you get a skilled crew in there, right? How many oceans does that go through? <laughs> like three. Probably like three. <laughs> yeah. So they did struggle to find men to transport the yacht. Presumably most of them said, hell no. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no, bro. Hell no. I won't be doing that. Absolutely hell no. not. Absolutely not. I'm not going to go home to my bird and say I'm going to be gone forever. No. Hell no. No. <laughs> but they did find a crew. Uh, they completed it on May 19th, 1884, and they set oh, sail for beautiful Sydney. Yeah. Okay, I missed that. How does an Australian lawyer in 1883 even find out that a sh- boat is for sale in England? <laughs> it just sent like a bottle on the waves. It just said, is there a bait? Is there a boat for um, sale? Is there a boat for sale? I need a boat You're so I can Philly. leisure sail. <laughs> No, no, you I'm are. doing Australia. You're trying, no, but you is there just a, ended up doing I'm Philly. I'm not doing instead. Philly. Is there a, no, Philly would be boat. That's what you said. Boat. Is the, yeah, I said play boat. It back. No, I said boat. <laughs> okay. Is there a boat? In Australia, I'm in Sydney. I need a boat. Mm-hmm. It's a little more Australian now. Yeah, it was Australian the whole time. Anyway, the crew consisted of four people. Captain Tom Dudley, along with experienced sailors Edwin Stevens and Edmund Brooks, And rounding out the group of four was Richard Parker, an inexperienced 17-year-old who served as a cabin boy. Okay. Get your strats up, Richard. 17-year-olds should have been cabin boys for probably 10 years now at this time. Yeah, seriously. You're supposed to stow away from the orphanage and then just become extreme, excel at your job as the cabin boy. At 17, you should almost be a captain. 
<laughs> yeah, you should have been a captain for three. You should retire then. Yeah. Anyway, six weeks into the voyage on July 5th, the ship was running with strong winds. Uh, the captain gave the order to heave to, according to his later depositions. Uh, he did this so the whole crew could have a good night's sleep. It's nice. Okay. Uh, heaving to is a maneuver used to slow a ship's progress, but keep them on course without steering. Like a mm. Tesla. And it goes about as well as that. And luckily, there's nothing for this ship to crash into in open water. That's true. No ambulances uh, with to their alluring into. lights. <laughs> to last minute. <laughs> 90 degree turn into. Oh, a tree. Uh, <laughs> it's so epic unfortunately uh anyway heaving two can be specifically used when a ship's crew is short-handed uh, as it will allow sailors time to go below deck uh, without having to stay and steer that way they can compare scars and um, yep. and tell stories yep. swap stories uh heaving two does require the crew to angle the ship and the sails against a contrary wind so the ship moves slower sails are backed meaning their turn so the wind is pressing against the forward side and no sooner had he sent the cabin boy Richard Parker below to prepare tea before bed that a giant wave struck the ship and washed away the opposite bulwark. Cool. <laughs> boy, uh, prepare me a tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Immediately. Boy, come back. <laughs> boy, hold Something on the tea. Happened. Hold, hold, Richard. Rich. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, anyway, he he knew that the ship would not survive, and he ordered uh, the entire four-person crew into a single lifeboat. So the Minionette, uh, again, not really seaworthy to begin with, not advisable uh, for long ocean voyages, had a lifeboat that was worse. Mm-hmm. Yes. The base was made of quarter-inch beams. It's about the thickness yep. of the backing board of an Ikea bookcase. Oh, good. A Svialren, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. So it could barely hold the weight of the men in the boat, and as they struggled to climb in, they punched a small hole that needed to be patched. My God. Yeah. Uh, They only managed to salvage their navigational instruments along with two cans of turnips. All right. Fellas, Mm -hmm. gentlemen, we're eating well tonight. Mm Mm-hmm. The Minionette, much to the chagrin of Australian lawyers everywhere, sank within five minutes. Whoa. Oh, no. (laughs) They shuddered in their beds that night. (laughs) With the few cans and instruments they were able to salvage, they fashioned a type of anchor to maintain the stability of the lifeboat and keep her headed into the waves. According to the surviving crew, well, uh, foreshadowing, because mm-hmm. <laughs> four, yeah. four of them, the first yeah. night at sea, they had to fight off a shark with their oars. Oh, good, good. <laughs> That's a good start. Yeah. The next night, they divided up the first can of turnips and rationed them for the next two days. After those two days, Edmund Brooks spotted a sea turtle, and Edwin Stevens brought it on board into the lifeboat, presumably <laughs> under, uh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey, we're having a party. <laughs> come, come on, here. come here, come on. It's going to be fun, actually. So they harvested about three pounds of meat off the turtle, plus bones. Uh, oh, and, they uh, got the bones, Yeah, too. I'm assuming they made a guitar out of the shell, like in uh, 20,000 Leagues. I think so, Like yeah. uh, Kirk Douglas did. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought that was really impressive. That he did that. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, getting it in tune. My God, think of that. <laughs> to think of the tuning. Yeah. I shudder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, away, I love a tail. Anyway, <laughs> they rationed this uh, presumably delicious turtle meat along yep. with a second can of turnips, and this fed them for multiple days. Guys, when you're oh, okay. afloat, you can't be having sides with your turtle meat. 
No, yeah. You save the turnips. Yes. Unfortunately, they had not been able to catch any rainwater to drink. With such a flimsy lifeboat, they also had no capacity to desalinate seawater. At first, they attempted to drink the blood of the sea turtle, Mm -hmm. but because the turtle itself had swallowed large amounts of seawater, its blood was also undrinkable. They're quoted as saying, You've damned us! Why'd you drink it? (laughs) (laughs) Blasted turtle. What'd you do it? What'd you do it? Shaking the shell around. You've killed me! You've killed me! By this time, they'd been at sea for over 10 days with no source of fresh water to drink, and they began to drink their own urine. Okay, so things haven't gotten bad yet. They're just... <laughs> just doing normal guy good. stuff. Unfortunately, this does dehydrate you faster. Okay. Which we know from research. Mm-hmm. It's possible that around this time, out of extreme thirst... Because sip- we drink our own urine. I don't. I'm not saying that. You just said your own research. No, I just said from our research. You said my research, not Patrick's. P-search. Thoughts? Mm. Mm. It's good. (laughs) (laughs) We can work it. We can workshop it. What were you saying? I was saying that it's possible around this time out of extreme thirst, 17-year-old Richard Parker ingested seawater, which made him ill. Oh, yeah, that's bad. Don't drink seawater. No No matter how thirsty you get, if you're stuck at sea, this is like the other rule where if someone tells you to stay put, get the hell off the ship. Likewise, no matter how thirsty you get, never, ever, even if you are dying, if you are about to pass out because you have not drank water in days, don't drink seawater. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you're 17. Like, oh, yeah. If you're like 12 or 13, like those guys, they bounce back from anything. Yeah, do whatever like, you want. I feel like a 12 year old could drink a gallon of seawater and just take a nap, you know, sleep yeah, it yeah. off. Oh, yeah, Kyle's in bed. He drank a whole lot of seawater, two liters. (laughs) But he's fine. He's fine. Yeah. Um, Anyway, from the testimonies of the survivors, talk of killing one of them to feed and save the other three started at around July 16th, Bastille Day. Okay, yeah. So only a few days after the meat of the sea turtle ran out. Oh. Yeah. Uh, And the need for food was actually only one of the reasons discussed. The main reason uh, for killing one of them was just to have something to do. Oh. No, that's not Surely true. It was not. to sink their... Okay. It, no, it's not, that's not true. It was to drink their blood. Oh, God. Yeah, which is actually <laughs> worse, more worse than drinking urine. Okay. And I don't do either of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only would the excess iron from consuming large amounts of blood potentially make them ill, and also you definitely can't be going near Magneto in his plastic prison at that point. Plus, then you have the hunger yeah. for the rest of your life. That's that's also true. You've, ta- <laughs> you've tasted the flesh of long pig. Yeah. Blood will also not quickly rehydrate you, and it can transmit pathogens. What were you up to, Richard Parker? Yeah. <laughs> they tabled the discussion, which is so funny to me. Like, you know what? Let's circle we'll back. back. We'll, we'll come back. We'll come back to this. Yeah, everyone at the time agreed it was too drastic at the moment, and they should look for other options and hope for rescue. Just like... That's I mean, yeah. so funny. Like, okay, 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 hold on. I, I think we need to just sit down for a second, reconsider. Yeah. That said, Richard Parker began to fall increasingly ill. By July 20th, he was losing consciousness for long periods of time, and some reports believe he was slipping into a coma. According to reports from the other sailors, he was turning into a giant roast chicken. <laughs> He's described as pallid, sweaty, and smelling damn good. And a hot dog floating. In the boat. Yes. The uh the, the three survivors were found with gingham napkins tied around their necks and a fork <laughs> and knife in each hand held straight up. 
salivating. Uh, eyes bigger than dinner plates. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I'm thinking of other Looney Tunes stuff. Just wait. Just keep going. Okay. okay. We did our we did our necessary bits. <laughs> okay, we can check that box off. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, the men broached the discussion as to whether they should kill and eat Richard and drink his blood. Okay. This it's time to revisit. It's it, a small apparently. boat, right? Yeah, like, it's he has a small. To it's, a, it all. it's a small ship, right? Yeah. And he looks up. He's like, "What's going on?" And they're like, "Nothing." He wakes up to them uh, uh, cutting carrots into the into the boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> salt, putting salt on him. Nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It's medicine. <laughs> okay, so clearly we were not done our Looney Tunes bits. I guess is peeling a potato into the. <laughs> He wakes up in a big cauldron. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, all right. By the 23rd or 24th, after being at sea for 20 days with no rescue, Dudley and Stevens were in agreement that drastic times called for drastic measures. Brooks, however, refused to co-sign on what he believed was murder. <laughs> if you can't okay. take the heat, get out of the lifeboat. Yeah. The next morning, Dudley and Stevens moved forward with the plan, surely wringing their hands as they approached Richard. Yes. Stevens held his legs while Dudley stabbed him in the jugular vein and began catching his blood to drink. Okay. Some later accounts suggest Parker woke up in the middle of the act, but initial accounts indicate he did not struggle and was likely unconscious. Hey, what's going on? No, no, no. Huh? 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 Oh. Then he just turns over. But um, they didn't stop there. They did eat Parker's remains that night. Mm -hmm. And, little bonus, uh, I guess... Probably not. <laughs> but they did yeah. manage to catch some rainwater that night. Pretty cool. Okay. It's good. Yeah. Everything's coming up Dudley, Stevens, and Brooks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dudley later had this to say about that night. Quote, I can assure you I shall never forget the sight of my two unfortunate companions over that ghastly meal. We all was like mad wolves. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we all was like mad wolves. Who should get the most? And for men, fathers of children, to commit such a deed, we could not have our right reason. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. That's dark. <laughs> Strong Mama. words from a man who's just eaten a boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A ghastly meal. Oh, you mean yeah. the cabin boy? The boy you ate? The boy you ate? The boy whose blood you drank? Yeah, no, that's a ghastly meal. Yes, I guess that is pretty ghastly. You mad wolf. Anyway, well, five I mean, days later, yeah. they sighted the sail of another boat. At least it wasn't like... Immediate? You know, a Twilight Zone situation. Yeah. Where it turns out that they were actually well, all they, made they of sta- food. <laughs> yeah, or I was going to say, or they, you know, they stab him in the throat, and then two seconds later, and there's a ship emerging from the fog to save them. Yeah, yeah, That's, that sounds but, about right. You know. Well, maybe next time, Patrick. So five days later, gut full of boy, they uh, <laughs> see a ship. Full on boy meal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a large German boat, the Montezuma, picked the men up and dropped them off in Falmouth, Cornwall, in England on September 6th. By all counts, the men had been completely truthful about their time at sea and their choice to kill their crewmate. They had told the German crew about the cannibalism, but also immediately told customs officers in Falmouth. Uh, Excuse me, I'm transporting some boy. (laughs) It's in my stomach. (laughs) Search me. Yes, I do. I do have something to declare. Wiping the corners of their mouths with napkins. Yeah. Uh, Boy? Mm, No, I've never seen one. 
let alone tasted the flesh <laughs> or blood or blood. I, I haven't done that. Either. This is the other one. Chi- chipping in anyone's yeah. urine. Yeah, I haven't tasted urine or my or my own or mine. Then mine. And nice. Very good. We that found sucks. the uh, natural That's end so of that awful. joke. That was yeah. really good. Keep going. According to Dudley and Stevens, upon arriving in England, they did not believe they had committed a crime, but rather that they had taken part in a custom of the sea. <laughs> oh, <geez>. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Um, yeah, so <laughs> custom of the sea, um, as you may imagine, is not the same as maritime law in that it's not right. a law. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, it's not a codified list of rules and ethics. Uh, uh-huh. Essentially, it just means that it's an established behavior that sailors have participated in for uh, quite some time in open waters. Yeah. Custom of the sea. Oh, my God. Mm. So, uh, Your Honor, it was a custom of the street. <laughs> 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 it's fine. Uh, well, ac- actually, Brooks, unlike Dudley and Stevens, did believe it was a crime and was extremely remorseful in his depositions. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I ate the boy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Initially, no arrests were made, in part because there was a lot of confusion around the nature of the incident and if it constituted a crime. Mm -hmm. However, after a few days, as the men recuperated and had begun planning to return to their families, these are fathers of children, these mad wolves, uh, they were detained for hearings with the Home Secretary. By the time of the first hearing, local sentiment was overwhelmingly positive. Okay. Yeah, they, there was a lot of support. Most locals saw their actions as completely justifiable and even necessary given the situation. And not a lot of Parker heads in the area, it Yeah, seems. seriously. The initial trials were set to begin about two weeks later, and details of the case were released to the press. The sentiment seemed to be on their side still. Okay. However, one William Harcourt, the Home Secretary, vehemently disagreed with the public sentiment. This guy goes against Uh-oh. the grain. Yeah. Sources close to him said that the public acceptance of the case is what made him intent on convicting the man. He's just a contrarian. Yeah, I'm not going to let all these sheep tell me who to try. Yeah. A series of barristers tasked with supporting the prosecution advised against proceeding with the case. They That's cited, British for lawyer. Uh, yes. Barrister. They cited Barrister. public sentiment, the lack of witnesses outside of the defendants, and historical precedent for leniency in other cases of cannibalism for survival. Yeah. It happens. You know, it, ha- it happens. There's at least two before this. So I don't know about court cases, but there's definitely like well-documented instances. Of- yeah. Willie, dozens of men have dined on man. Like yeah, their it's, own. A good, it's good meat. It's good meat. It's lean, but it's yeah. good. Anyway, the first day of the trial, the case and charges against Brooks were dismissed so he could serve okay. as a witness for the prosecution against Dudley and Stevens. Very, very what? clever. clever. How did he get that deal? I guess oh, because he was so he remorseful. And yeah, he well, didn't he... take part in the murder. Okay. I think he did eat him, it seems. Well, yeah, it's good boy. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> There's a lot. Hey, you're not gonna, are you not going to eat that boy? <laughs> are you going to finish your boy? Brooks, get over here. We've just killed and slaughtered a boy. There's tons of good sure boy you here. won't have any? Fine. More boy for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did eat the boy. Though. He did eat the boy, yeah. But uh, the charges were dismissed. And the court agreed to this. Yeah. But they also allowed Dudley and Stevens to be semi-released with their trial set for later in the year and a slight increase to their bail. So probably mm. two pieces of eight now. Yeah. 
Hey everyone, we just want to take a brief moment to remind you that RTX 2023 is happening this July 7th through July 9th. RTX is our favorite time of year where we get to interact with all of the amazing people that give us the opportunity to make content. It's a celebration of all things Rooster Teeth with panels, special guests, community artists, cosplay, and more. There will be exclusive reveals, meet and greets with Rooster Teeth talent, and special merch available only during the event. We're changing up how the convention feels this year, and it's going to be awesome. Imagine a mini Epcot-style convention show floor with different attractions and activations from your favorite Rooster Teeth brands, all wrapped up in a summer camp theme. It's the summer camp for indoor kids, with Face Jam's Rat and Grackle Pub, a Red Web escape room, a F***-faced museum, Achievement Hunter mini golf, and even more cool stuff to do that we're saving for attendees to experience. So thanks for listening to me get very excited about RTX. We're looking forward to meeting all of you there. Head on over to www.rtxaustin.com to get more information about the event and buy your badge. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. When the spring sunshine is calling your name, don't call for takeout, get HelloFresh instead. Their quick and easy meals make feeding the family a cinch and without the high price tag. Their new fast and fresh options are ready in just 15 minutes or less. Plus, HelloFresh makes dinner time a snap with deliciously easy options that will please everyone at your table. From fit and wholesome to pescatarian to veggie, they have a meal plan that suits your lifestyle. Plus, you can swap out proteins and sides to your liking. I've used HelloFresh many times and have made incredible dishes that I never would have been able to accomplish (laughs) left to my own devices. It's fun, it's easy, and honestly, it's a great way to make plans for the night. You know, hang out, cook a little bit. So go to HelloFresh.com slash ShipHitsFan16 and use code ShipHitsFan16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. And again, once more, go to HelloFresh.com slash ShipHitsFan16 and use code ShipHitsFan16 for 16 free meals plus free free shipping. Thanks, HelloFresh. Additionally, one account states that Richard Parker's brother was in attendance at the early hearings and greeted the men in a friendly manner. Parker's brother was known to be an experienced seaman. Ah, lovely. Very, very, very cool. Yeah. Um, Wonderful. Not a big fan of his brother over the sea, it seems. Yeah. The defense offered a number of other cases with precedent as a means of justifying the actions in this case. And we're going to go through them, a little who's who of necessary cannibalism. Yeah. So first they cited the St. Christopher case. In the 1600s, seven Englishmen had set sail on an overnight voyage to St. Christopher Island, but they were blown off course and lost at sea for 17 days. Whoa. During that time, they chose lots to see who would sacrifice themselves for the good of the others. The man who suggested it chose the short straw, and he agreed to let the crew kill and eat him. Great. He's quoted as saying, fair's fair. This is also, this is in the Caribbean. Uh, yeah. Okay. The meat they gained from him, it's a funny way of putting it. Yeah. We've gained meat from from this man. The meat that they carved off of him after they murdered him (laughs) allowed them to reach Mm -hmm. St. Martin. Once they returned to St. Christopher, they were put on trial for homicide. However, they were pardoned on the basis of inevitable necessity. I think, yeah, trials at this time were just like in The Witch, where it's like, you need to live in the woods. Yeah. It's just a room of guys. Uh, Necessity would become the name of the game for the current trial. The defense needed to prove that it was necessary to kill Parker and not just convenient. The Essex. Okay. 
1820, the crew of a whaling ship called Essex, you know it. That's right, folks. Oh, yeah. We talked about it on this yeah. very show. We're stuck in lifeboats after a giant sperm whale sank their ship. While originally there had been 21 crew members, they had dwindled down. Six of them had already died of starvation and exposure to the harsh cold. The rest of the crew gradually ate the six crew members until they ran out of meat and held the lottery for who would be killed to feed the group. A man named Owen Coffin lost the lottery, and though the captain of the Essex volunteered to take his spot, Coffin refused and said, eat me, lads, <laughs> essentially. I mean, he said it was his right to die so that others may live. Uh, very uh -huh. cool thing to say. Yeah. Yeah, horrifying, but rad. Then you have U.S. v. Holmes. In 1841, the William Brown sank after hitting an iceberg. I wonder if it's still out there. They believed that their yeah. lifeboat was overloaded and in danger of capsizing. The crew, led by Alexander Holmes, put 16 passengers far offshore in the frigid water where they knew they would not survive the elements. Okay. Huh. <laughs> uh. Okay. Um, all right. Upon his return, he was initially charged with murder, but the grand jury reduced this to manslaughter. Yeah. Okay. Again, in this case and the others, they needed to prove necessity and no bias towards or against any of the specific victims. Look, the 16 of you are great. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. So he, he actually was convicted. Uh, his sentence, however, was shortened to only six months and a $20 fine for killing 16 people. Hmm. Hmm. It's a different time. Yeah. The Euxene. In 1874, only a few years before the current case, the Euxene was lost and second mate James Archer and a group of crew members survived in one of the lifeboats. Upon returning, they openly admitted to killing and eating one of the passengers. Okay, yeah. <laughs> just get it out there right away. They were sent to Singapore for trial, but debate over whether England or Singapore was the best option for the trial dragged on and ultimately the case was dismissed. I guess they got bored. Yeah. So when we look at these precedents, all of the court decisions had arrived at similar conclusions. Even where necessity was established, it was not enough to negate the nature of the crime. Following the arraignment hearings in September, the full trial began in Exeter on November 3rd. Dudley and Stevens' lawyer emphasized the poor condition of the ship. He also argued the inevitability of Parker's death as well as the inevitability of the rest of the crew's death if they did not have his meat and blood. <laughs> I hope he didn't say it like that. He probably did, uh, given that this is yeah. the 19th century. Yeah. Your Honor, they needed a ghastly meal. <laughs> <laughs> um, in an odd turn of events, the jury didn't actually get to vote. Rather, okay. the judge wrote a breakdown of the facts as the defense had presented them and asked the jury's agreement paragraph by paragraph. So weird. Is that how they do it? I okay. don't know. Whatever. I don't think so. Essentially, the judge and jury were aligned on the idea that while necessary, murder did still occur, and they deferred to yeah. the court for sentencing. The circuit court, now in charge of sentencing, convened a panel. The panel agreed that there was no defense of necessity to a charge of murder, regardless of legal precedent or ethics and morality. Party's over, folks. Don't eat anyone. The judges in their decision emphasized the question of who decides who should live and who should die. While they absolutely agreed that the circumstances seemed dire, no one man should decide whether or not another man gets to live. In other words, no one judges. man should have all that power. They're judges. No, no, no. Isn't I that, think they're saying the, the, what... the guys, Dudley and Stevens, did not have that power. No, I know, but they're judges. They are sentencing people to death. Mm -hmm. Right? Well, you could say the jury is. <laughs> yeah, you could. You could. You could. Uh, that's, an, I don't know, that's an 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I understand. Feel, yeah, I feel like we're splitting I get what hairs. they're saying. Leave the judges alone. Like, you're Come a judge. On. That is your job. That's that's true. Well, okay. We'll come for judges in a future episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dudley and Stevens were sentenced to the death penalty with a recommendation oh, for oh, mercy. Oh, really? Were they? <laughs> but ultimately, their sentences were commuted to six months in prison, and they were what? released May 20th, 1885. How do you get sentenced to the death penalty and then get your sentence commuted to six months? I mean, it seems prison? like people have very short memories. It also kind of seems like nobody wanted to charge them for this, but they knew they just sort of had to. Yeah, and then when everyone kind of moved on, they're like, "Okay, you guys can you can yeah, dip in like six months. Just kind of like, yeah, just just leave. just get out." They just opened the back door of the jail. Yeah, just go, just go. Can't um, you see we don't watch anymore? <laughs> go, come on, go, go. <laughs> get out of here, go on, get. <laughs> <laughs> A memorial was made in Richard Parker's honor in the churchyard of a chapel near his home in Southampton. This is the first sign that anyone was upset anything happened to him. The, <laughs> oh, the whole no, story Richard. the whole story has been about the precedent of necessity and not about anyone coming and saying, like, a man is dead. A boy is a boy. dead. Even his brother is like, hey, guys, you did what you had to do. That's, yeah, cus- yeah. that's custom of the sea if I've ever seen it. 100%. Um, But yeah, since the completion of this case, this is really interesting, it's been taught to all law students in the UK and British territories. And in many American law schools, it's the first criminal case introduced to students. Really? Yeah. We're we're dipping our toe into some pretty smart waters here. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. Additionally, legal philosopher Lon L. Fuller used this case as the basis for a thought experiment in the Harvard Law Review in 1949. As opposed to mm. illegal philosophers, which is your drug dealer <laughs> just kind of going off about whatever he's been cooking up lately while you wait yeah. for him to hand you a gram. About how Kiss <laughs> hasn't been the same since Peter Chris left. <laughs> I don't that, think anyone's having that conversation. <laughs> Drugs or no, I don't think anyone's having that conversation. <laughs> not anymore. Not, no, not no. since widespread Maybe decriminalization. Never. Maybe never. <laughs> Maybe yeah, never. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, let's get back to Lon. Lonel. Mm-hmm. He calls okay. his fictional scenario the case of the Spelunkian explorers. Okay. Oh, man. These national lampoon ass guys. They're also yeah. clever. Uh, anyway, it describes the story of five explorers who are caved in due to a landslide. They have a radio and a few tools with them. Via the radio in their kit, they are informed that if help does not get to them soon, they will starve to death before they can be rescued. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They make the decision that one of them should be killed and eaten so the others can survive. They Agreed. use a pair of dice, that must be part of the kit, to determine who will be killed to keep the choice impartial. They kill and eat the fifth member of their team. Yeah. The remaining four explorers are rescued, but they are charged and found guilty of the murder of their colleague. The accepted sentence for this crime is death. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> they appeal. And the story notes there is a public pressure to spare the men based on the necessity of the killing. Necessity. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. He then presents five different types of arguments for both guilt and innocent in this case, including hybrids with lenient sentences and is often now taught alongside the R.V. Dudley and Stevens case. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It is certainly that. I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. It's, uh, it's a bit of a gray area. There's certainly a difference between 
I mean, it sounds like this Richard guy was going to die, right? I guess. I mean, it seems like he was probably going to die. <laughs> but they did they did kill him. They did do that, yeah. Which is a little more extreme. I, I do, And he was I a child. He was. I do think drawing lots, if you are definitely going to die, if you don't eat somebody, and you draw lots and the person is, you know, that's just how it works, then... I don't know. I guess. I guess go for it. Yeah, no, go no nuts. Crime. No crime done in my mind. <laughs> oh wow! So um, you've okay. So you've come all the way around, and you do not have conflicted feelings. You actually think it's fine now. No, I'm saying under some cases. I'm saying if everyone agrees, we're going to draw straws, and whoever gets the short straw becomes meat tonight. Yes, um, for them to gain. But I would also say, like, try cutting off a leg first. You're already a sailor. That's such so a good point. You're going to look cool with a peg. Yeah. I guess um, the, the point there. is that could be a death sentence in its own if they have. Yeah, no I mean, you're probably going to die, but then you just have, but it's easier to talk someone into and then you have more meat when they do ultimately perish. Right. I don't know. You I'm say not like, OK, we're just going to take the leg and they're like, fine, I will get rid of my leg if it means saving everyone. And then everyone has to get rid of a leg. And they're like, yes, done. And then they cut the leg off. They immediately bleed to death. Uh, and then you have the whole body and no one else has to yeah. cut a leg off. Well, maybe they should do it like in the platform when he, the little man ties him up and he's going to like carve off little pieces like, like Gonchale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not Something fun. Like yeah. Yeah. But Just it's some you, gristle to yeah. chew on. Yeah. You have options, I guess is what we're saying, folks. Yes. Don't yes, just, yes. don't just go for broke and kill the boy. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe eat, kill part of the boy. Yeah, just kill the boy. Piece. Kill the boy inside you. Yeah, thank you, thank you, <laughs> Patrick. Yeah, I need a I need a foghorn to dispel all this legal gray area fog. <gasps> oh. <laughs> oh no, you've got some boy oh. in your throat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sounds like Wayland. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wayland is Patrick's cat. <laughs> yeah. For anyone unaware. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, not a friend. Well, I guess he's a friend of the show. Yeah. I've had enough of all these okay. legal precedents and Harvard philosophers and boy meals. Yeah, yeah. Let's return to the real heart of this show okay. the American Midwest. And yep. it's freshwater lakes. Mm-hmm. That's right. Specifically, I want to talk about Lake Mendota in Wisconsin, where last fall the Wisconsin oh, historical... That's Is that in Madison? Just about? Yeah. All right. Ma- not just about. That's Madison, baby. Well, in Madison, the Wisconsin Historical Lake Society... Lake and Lake Monona <laughs> as well. Lake Wabisa. Mud Lake is nearby. Mud Lake. Well, we're not... We're not uh, mucking around in those lakes today, Patrick. We're talking about Lake Mendota, where the Wisconsin yeah. Historical Society has recovered the oldest canoe ever found in the region. Really? Yeah. So the society pulled out what remained of a 3,000-year-old wooden canoe. My God. Yeah. In collaboration with Wisconsin's Native Nations last September. I mean, put in context, this is from 1,000 BC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Present at the recovery were members from the Ho-Chuck Nation and Bad River Tribe. Carved from a single piece of white oak, the canoe comes in at 1,800 years older than a canoe found <laughs> the previous year. In the How same is it area, even still like 
I mean, how it's, is it any? How is it not mulch? It's not really recognizable as a canoe, but it's clearly like a carved out. It's like a long, you know, worn piece of wood. But you I mean, can still, you can tell it has been fashioned but, yeah. in such a way. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 it must be something about the river muck. Yeah, in fact, the canoe that was found the previous year was discovered. You know, they were both found within a hundred yards of one another. So that's led researchers to uh, scour the area for signs of submerged village sites. Oh yeah, so sick. Sense. Yeah, but what's wild is the one that came the year before was <laughs> going around the waters of the lakes. A th- 1,800 years after this most recent one was submerged. <laughs> right, which is still... So far. Uh, like 200 AD. Yeah. Anyway, the restoration process is currently being undertaken, and it's expected to last about two years. In one of the photos, highly recommend checking this out, one member of the team escorting the canoe atop a flotation device is pumping his fist like he just kicked a winning field goal. <laughs> it's... It's very, it's very uh, endearing. Um, but yeah, just yeah. Uh, pretty straightforward stuff. A really old canoe has been found. Um, and that's, that's, awesome. that's cool. I think that's sick. They don't make them like they used to, Patrick. They don't I make don't. boats out of one single piece of wood anymore. That's right. Damn, they have photos of the canoe on the bottom of the... I mean, it's just a piece of wood, but... Yeah, but it's... You know, it's clearly been like hollowed out and fashioned. Yeah, yeah. And it's so like this because of the the gap in time between them, you can they can really see the uh the advances and changes made in canoe technology among these these tribes and these people, which is really cool. So, you, yeah. Do you want to hear do you want to hear what uh the person who found it texted their boss? <laughs> I do. Upon finding it, not a joke. I found another dugout canoe. <laughs> sorry, sorry. This is crazy. What am I saying? Not a joke. I found another dugout canoe. <laughs> hey, boss, you got to hear this. I found another, and I'm not joking. I found another Wait, a canoe. Sc- a scuba instructor found it? I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, it was a scuba instructor that found both of them. That's wild. I wonder if he's the guy pumping his fist. Uh, well, it's Tamara, so I don't think... Okay. Uh, it's a woman. All right. I'm not joking. <laughs> She's inducted into the Women Divers Hall of Fame. What? Yeah. How do I get into that? I guess by diving, probably, and then becoming yeah. uh, famous. Can yeah. I be a notorious diver? I think she's been down to the Titanic. That's awesome. Well, shoot. Could be Shouts wrong. out Tamara. Yeah. Uh, a queen. And I, we never once thought you were joking. No, no, I didn't. I didn't think you were joking. You believed you the whole time. Yeah. And but if you are, that's super messed up. Mm-hmm. You yeah, can't text. You can't lie, text your crazy. boss stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's bad news. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, that's our show. Don't eat any boys. Uh, you probably will not get away with a necessity no, defense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm sure that any number of uh, high profile lawyers like. Uh, Jacob Minrani or uh, <laughs> Sweet James. Sweet James, yeah, or that one that sponsors every sports team in LA. Oh, Para, para um, Law. Oh, what is that? Prera? It's the guy with the goatee. Period. Period. Either way. Either way. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, think of the local uh, lawyers and yeah. the local accident lawyers in your 
area. Like, like if, what yeah, we said with them. if you're in, you know, Texas or like New Mexico, think of the like billboards for motorcycle attorneys, that kind of yes, stuff. There we go. There we yeah. Go. Or the hammer. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're not going to help you. But, it, it, you know, if you if there's a workman's comp thing, maybe. Uh, yeah. You want to hear something cool? I do. I always want to hear something cool. Do you remember the Empress of Ireland? Yeah. That horrid shipwreck where all the women and children died? The one off Nova Scotia? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tamara Thompson has been there. No fooling. And apparently, wow. skulls everywhere. Whoa. Uh, and lifeboats filled with corpses. That is... Oh, I don't want to be in the Divers Hall of Fame anymore. The Women Divers Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. I withdraw news. my submission. We take it back. Yeah. We take okay. it back. Patrick Patrick wanted to be in it too, but now he doesn't. No, yeah, I also changed my mind. <laughs> it would have been a lot more. Wow. The too. first man to be inducted into the Women's <laughs> Hall of Diving Fame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a lot of work. Yeah. Hey, you never know. <laughs> I do. Anyway, the show oh, is okay, written okay. by Paige Wesley. It's edited by Kelly Reynolds with art from Stevie Jude. I've been Charlotte. And I've been Patrick. And we ask only... Man Diver. <laughs> and we ask humbly that your bones bleach in these sands. But please, no boy bones. Sea turtle yeah. bones. That's fine. fine. Yeah. Don't drink the blood. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>